0: Awesome. Well, I am so excited uh, to get to share with you. Again, want to welcome those that are with us online as we continue in our series uh, that we've been over the last several weeks called An Election-Proof Faith, right? We said this. It's in a crazy time in our world right now. It's crazy. Everybody's getting sideways and crazy, and we said if we are going to be followers of Christ, then we can't operate like everybody else does, right? we got to do things differently. We have to think differently. We have to live differently. And we've been talking about this over the last several weeks. The first two weeks, we talked about ideas of allegiance and values, that we have to have an allegiance ultimately toward Christ and that our values must be the same values that he has, right? We don't get to just value the things we want to. We value the things Christ has called us to value. And one of those things is love. And we've been talking about this for the last several weeks. What does love look like? Last week, we talked practically. If you missed last week, make sure you you watch that message this morning. We're going to continue that. Next Sunday, we wrap up this series. Uh, and next week is a message that you don't want to miss. We're going to be celebrating communion. It's going to be a great time, but this is a message that will encourage you. We all need that right now. It's going to inspire us, and prior to that election day, it's going to put us in the right mindset, and so I encourage you to be here next week for that. All right? Well, I stand here before you today, the proud fan of the NFC North leading Chicago Bears. Can I get an amen out there? All right. So, so, when I say that, there's a small contingent of it. Where are my Bears fans out? Where are my Bears fans out? Okay, we got some Bears fans. I love it. That's great. So the Bears fans in the room get all jacked up when I talk about this, right? Because we are five and one and clearly leading the division. Okay, but there is another group. Where are my Packer fans out? Where are the Packer fans out in the room? Okay. You're annoyed with me right now because here's what you're saying in your mind. You're saying, okay, Greg, I understand that technically their winning percentage is higher, but we are clearly the better team. We just had a bad week. I get that, okay? Where are my depressed Viking fans at? Where are the depressed Viking fans You don't even want to admit it, most of you. That's fine, right? Because... Because you're just, you're just like, you know you're playing for the number one draft position right now, right? That's what you're playing for this season. That's just where you're at. It's okay. Okay, I know there's some other people who like some other teams, but then the other contingency is the people who are really annoyed with me using sports analogies. Where are those people at? Okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I get it. Some of you tell me all the time, like, why do you do that? Like, get over it. I like sports. Sorry, okay? But here's what happens. In one sentence, I can divide this entire room into little groups. And see, this is normal. Society and our culture has done this for millennia. Like we started out as small nomadic groups, hunter-gatherers that all traveled all around, and everybody had their little group that they were with, right? And a a mindset developed in humanity, and the mindset is this. It is a us-them mindset, an us-them mindset. There's us, right, the people that I connect with, the people I resonate with, the people that I'm close with, the people I love, the people I care for, the people I think the same way, I talk the same way, those people, and then there's them right? And the thems are just everybody who isn't us. They're they're the people that we don't connect with in the same way, right? And and it's okay. Like, us, them is a very clear way. It's a way to, to make sense of our world. It's a way to understand our world. It's a way to organize things, right? It just makes sense in our mind. We divide things out that way. The only problem is that too often, us, them moves from an organizational idea, a way to help understand the world. It moves into a boundary, a border or a limit of who's in and who's out. These are my people. Those are not my people. Sometimes it's a limit to say, I'm only going to go this far. And if there's one area where this is abundantly clear, it is love. When it comes to love, it's very easy for us to love those that are us, right? The people that are our people, that like us, that think the same way we do, all those things, right? But it's very challenging to love them, whoever them is. I don't know who them is for you. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But it becomes a a boundary, a border, or a limit, right? The the fact that they're not us, suddenly, I I don't don't know what I'm going to do with those people, right? We know that when you follow Jesus, what does Jesus like to do throughout all the gospel? He likes to mess with our borders. He likes to blow up the things that we put, the limits that we set. He likes to blow those things up, and it's no different when it comes to love. And so this morning, we're going to look at a parable, and this is a parable. My guess is most everyone in the room knows this parable, but I also would guess that very few of us really understand what this parable is about. We miss the point of this parable quite often. And I believe this is going to be a message that will meddle with your heart a little bit, and it's clearly going to meddle with your boundaries a little bit and your borders, all right? So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Uh, sometime, some weeks you may not pull a Bible out. This is a really good week to make sure you pull your Bible out because we're going to sit here all morning. If you've got a phone app, pull out your phone app and uh, follow along here. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse number 30. Uh, and I'm going to just invite you, would you stand with me across the room? There's nothing sacred about Santa. It's just what we do around here. It's our tradition just to honor the word of God when we read it together, okay? Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 30, it says, Jesus says this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, When he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I thank you that this story that you told 2,000 years ago speaks so prophetically to us right now. God, give us ears to hear not my voice, but to hear your voice above everything else. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Uh, Abby, could you grab me some water? For some reason, my throat's struggling right now. Thank you. Uh, well, this is a passage. How many of you heard the, the parable before? You've heard this parable. How many of you have ever heard that? Raise your hand. Two of you. That's good. Some, okay. <laughs> uh, but this is, a, this is one of those stories. Even if you haven't heard this parable of the Good Samaritan, how many of you have heard this, the phrase, the Good Samaritan, or a Good Samaritan? We know what that is, right? But I think, like I said, I think so often we miss the point of what this whole thing is about. We're going to see that. So what I want to do is I want to go back to the context. A lot of times Jesus would tell a story in response to a question that is asked. And this is what happens with this story. Someone comes to Jesus with a question, and he proceeds to explain through a story, all right? So if you got your Bibles, look back with me to verse number 25. It says this, On one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. They came to test Jesus. This was a regular occurrence for Jesus. Jesus was going around teaching, and very similar to we have the media who walk around and try and get people with gotcha questions. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, this is what they tried to do all the time. They tried to catch Jesus, catch him in his word, get him to say something. And then they're going to go tell, look what Jesus said, right? It's just like our media today. That's what they're trying to do. And so they're coming to Jesus to test him. And so he says this, teacher, he asks. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, i got to stop there because this, this word life here, anybody, can anybody guess what the word life is in Greek? Can anybody guess what it is? Good job, everybody. You go to that church. Good. This is Zoe. Zoe, the abundant, overwhelming, eternal life that only comes through Christ. This is what he's asking. So he's asking a really good question. Sometimes Jesus is like, that's a dumb question. This is like, this is a good question. I'm going to answer this question. I'm going to meet you where you are. So he says... What is written in the law? Jesus says, okay, so if you're to read what we would consider the Old Testament, he says, based on reading the Old Testament, what do you think is the right thing to do? He says, how do you read it? Jesus asked this guy. And so the guy responds with something that we're going to see as kind of a normal occurrence. He said, all right, I see it this way. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And what we're going to see is Jesus agrees. He says, that's a good answer. Like, I like that answer. In fact, you'll notice that in... uh the Gospels, there are several times where people come to Jesus and they ask him the very same question. They say, Jesus, sum the whole thing up with one command. Can you do that? This was actually a normal thing that happened. The, the leaders would get around and they would try to say, how could we distill the entirety of the Old Testament down to its most basic understanding? They would ask this question. And so they at- posed it to Jesus and Jesus said the exact same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But th- when they asked the question, they asked for one command and Jesus gave them two. You see, the way Jesus said it, he said, they're of the same essence. You can't do one without the other. There is no such thing as just loving the Lord your God with all your wholesome mind and strength without loving the other. And if we've got, I'm going to have a couple teaching points here for you this morning. The first one in your notes is simply this. Loving others isn't an option. Loving others isn't an option. You don't get that choice. Like, I, I, do, I know people, I've probably said it myself, like, I just want to love Jesus can't I just have my personal relationship with Jesus? He's so, he loves me. He forgives me. He's not, he gave his life for me. And this, I want to have this. But people drive me crazy, right? We think this to ourselves. They drive me crazy. I can't stand the people. And, and, and Jesus would say, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not an option. Like just saying, hey, you're going to have your relationship here and you're not going to, that's not an option. In fact, John, who was the one who walked with Jesus, he was Jesus' favorite, right? Later on, years, decades later, he writes a letter in in 1 John. He talks about this. He says, if you say you love God, but you don't love other people, you're a liar. That's what he said. Thinking about all of the things Jesus taught, the heartbeat of what Jesus was about. He said, listen, it's not just about getting you to God. It's also having this. We must love one another. It's not an option for us. And so he continues in the passage. He says, you've answered correctly, Jesus replies. He says, that's what it's about. It's about loving God. It's about loving others. That's, that's what it's about. And then he ends what sh- should be the end of the story here. He says, do this and you will live. Right? And that's the point where you like, tie the bow Jesus, answer the question, good deal. Let's move on. But he doesn't because the guy comes back to him and what does he ask? He asks the same kind of question my kids do because I tell my kids to do things sometimes and then they try to find their way out of it. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like, how can, I get, how can I work my way around this one? Like, you didn't really mean this, right? We all do that. I'm always looking for the out. Like, I'm thinking what's the lowest amount of things I have to do, right? I got enough st- go, stuff going on in life. And so he answers this way. He says... Okay, but he wanted to justify himself, right? This man wanted to justify, that word justify, it means he wanted to prove himself right, he wanted to defend himself, and so he says this. So who is my neighbor? All right, I gotta love my neighbor as myself. I get that, Jesus, cool, but who is my neighbor? Can you tell me the box? right? We all love the box. Tell me the box. Tell me the box of people that I need to love. Tell me the box. What are my limits? Where are my boundaries? Where do I, where do I get to say yes, and then therefore I get to say no to loving? Like, get, just tell me where that is. We all like that. I love to know what the limits are. Give me the limits here, Jesus. And so, Jesus tells a story, and this is the story that we just read. That's what this story is about. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate it, to us, so I wanna give you just a few details in this story, so if you've never heard this story before, you can have a better understanding of what this thing is about. It says, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I'm gonna stop there for a second because a lot of times when we read in scripture, they use the word down and up a lot. And for us, we use up to north, like I'm gonna go up north or I'm gonna go down south, right? So when you read this, a lot of times if you look at a map, it's really confusing. They're speaking of elevation, not evolution, elevation, Okay. When they talk about going up, they're ascending, and Jerusalem is up higher in the hills. So when they go up to Jerusalem, that's what's going on. So they are going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I've been there before. It's down. You're going down through the valley, and there's all this rocky terrain. It's very rough. Okay, and this is a route that was notoriously dangerous. This was the kind of path that you don't walk down by yourself. you got to be careful because they could hide up in the hills and come down and take you out. It happened all the time. How many of you like watching uh, epic fail videos? Does anybody like watching epic fail videos? Okay, I love watching epic fail videos. Like, I know I shouldn't. I should love people, but I don't. I want to watch them hurt themselves. That's what I like doing. It's just entertaining to me. Sorry. If you've ever watched a skateboard, you've watched skateboard videos where people are doing skateboard things. How many know when when you see a skateboarder get onto a railing, you're like 80 to 90 percent confident what's going to happen, right? They're going to crotch that thing. That's just what's going to happen. Okay, it just happens. It, it, every time you watch a video, that's what's going to happen. Okay, that's what's going on in this story. Everybody who's listening to the story knows what's about to happen. Because it says what? A man was heading down from Jerusalem to Jericho when, shocker, he was attacked by robbers. This was normal. There's nothing new. These people are listening to the story say, that guy was stupid. What was he thinking? This is what happens. Don't go there by yourself. You're going to get yourself hurt. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They went away, leaving him half dead. So, the people listening to the story are thinking to themselves, this guy's dumb. He just he got what he got. This must be the dumb guy in this. This is the bad guy in the story because he's just he's not thinking at all. He goes on, says, Well, and I would just say this. If you ever, you know, uh, when you listen to radio, some people use sound effects all the time. The radio people, they're always doing this. If there were sound effects while listening to this, here's what it would go like a priest happened to be going down the same road. Yeah! Because they like the priest. They think he's cool. So they're thinking, this guy is amazing. All right. The priest comes in. Oh, yes, awesome. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And they're thinking, oh, where's Jesus going with this story, right? And he says, so too, a Levite. "Ah, Yeah, woo, we love the Levites. Okay, he passes by. He saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, boo, hiss. Okay, that's what's going on. They hated the Samaritans. They thought Samaritans were horrible people. In fact, they referred to the the Samaritans as half breeds because these were Jews who had intermarried with Assyrians. So they weren't really full Jews anymore. And the Jews so despised the Samaritans that their land that was north of Judea, they wouldn't even walk through Samaria. A good Jew, you know what they would do? They would cross the Jordan River, walk north, and then cross back because they wouldn't walk through Samarian land. That's how much they hated them. That's how much. So now you understand the story a little bit more so Jesus says, this guy, a Samaritan. Ugh. Everybody listening to this story, we're just repulsed at this point. Ugh. Why is Jesus talking about a Samaritan? A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he didn't look at him and say, oh, there's one of those Jews that hates me. There's one of those Jews that treats me like garbage. The ones that think I'm an inbred somehow. He doesn't say that, no. He saw him and he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, this guy who, who didn't even like him. If he even knew he was being helped by a Samaritan, he might be mad about it. He said, I don't care. I'm here to help him. He brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. This is the part that's crazy. The next day, he took out two denarii. Do you understand that? That One is a, a day's wage. So he took out two days' worth of his wages and gave it to the innkeeper. Might be two, three, and our money, two, three, four, $500. Gives to him and says, hey, take care of this guy. I don't know who he is. He probably doesn't even like me. Take care of anything. And then he goes back and he says, if there's anything else, any extra expenses you may have, I'll take care of it. The second point that you need to take this morning is this. Is we need to move from judgment to compassion. Because very often we walk around. You think about this Samaritan. He had every right to sit and judge. He had every right to walk past it. The priest and the Levite, they should have been the ones stopping. He had every right to walk by because that guy tre- treats him like garbage. That guy speaks negatively to him. He thinks horribly about him. He, like I said, he was probably mad that he even came to help him. But rather than having a judgmental attitude, he looked at him with pity, with compassion. You see, sometimes in the church we are so so desiring to prove our rightness, that we assume a position of judgment rather than a position of compassion. And I know that oftentimes we can defend that because we watch Jesus and say, man, Jesus was, he was pretty strong. If you read Jesus' words, he's pretty tough. But who was Jesus tough on? Us church people. He was tough on the followers, the ones who should have known better, the ones who should have been living differently. He came at them real tough. But when it came to those who were far from him, a position of compassion but some of you might if you know the bible well enough you know stories and i can you could probably recount a few yeah but would would jesus when he encountered the woman at the well what happened with the woman at the well right he pointed out her sin do you realize that before he ever said a word the fact that he even talked to her assumed a position of compassion there was no reason why he should have even talked to her judgment would have just walked away he started from a position of compassion And as followers of Christ, this is our call. It is so easy for us to assume the position of judgment. Listen, our call for those outside, those them who are outside of our faith, needs to start in a position of compassion, not in judgment. Compassion, why? Because they are desperately in need. They desperately need the hope that we have. If we close off, And we respond like the teacher of the law, just look into who can we say, eh, that's outside of my borders, and we've missed it. We've totally missed the heart of God. So the story ends here. Jesus says, you know, which of these three men was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? I love this question. He's, You know, it's a very obvious question. Like, we know what the answer is. We know what the answer to this thing is, right? The answer is clearly the Samaritan, but the guy can't even say it. Look at how he responds. The expert in the law replies, the one, the one who had mercy. Why? He didn't even want to say the name Samaritan. It's so messed with him. It was like he was just like, I don't like that guy. He couldn't even say it. And then Jesus, this is the part I love. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Basically, Jesus said, go be a Samaritan. <laughs> go be like that guy. And you could just sense the guy who's listening to the story, I'm sure it was just like... You know, uh, right? Because he came asking a question. He came asking, okay, who's my neighbor? What's my limit? What's my border? And Jesus said, that's the wrong question. Don't ask that question. Just, you don't need to ask, no, you need to ask the question, what kind of a neighbor am I? That's what you need to ask. What kind of neighbor am I? Am I living out who God has called me to live? Or have I set up barriers to my love? Borders. To my compassion. And so I want to get to our big so what this morning. Every week we ask the question so what? What's the point of this thing? If you forget everything else I say this morning, if you fell asleep this morning, wake yourself up and listen to the main point here this morning. It's simply this when it comes to love, there is no them. When it comes to love, there is no them. We love to live our little us-them thing. We love to treat the us's one way, and we tend to treat the them's a totally different way. But Jesus says, I'm sorry, that's not an option. You want to call yourself a follower of Christ, you don't get to live like everybody. Everybody else does that. It makes sense to everybody else. It might make sense to you. Guess what? It makes sense to my mind. But I don't get to do things the way I want to. I have to be renewed in my mind to follow the way Christ has called me to follow. That means... There is no them when it comes to love. Us, them, that mindset, it's fine as an organizational technique. right? I understand different groups of people. We got Bears and we got Packer fans. It helps us divide and helps us understand those things. But when it begins to bring borders and limits, it becomes destructive. If you've ever heard this story, a lot of us, we think, what's the point of the story? Be a good Samaritan, right? Be a good Samaritan. You know, if somebody's driving down the street and their tire's out, you should pull over and help them, right? Or, you know, you, got, you meet somebody and they're in need, you know, give them a cup of water. Hey, those are good things to do. Jesus said we should do those things. So I think that's a good thing, but that is not the point of this story. This isn't about being a good Samaritan, right? This story isn't meant to tell you to go help a stranger, although maybe you should do that sometime. This story is meant to blow up any borders that would limit your love for others to blow up your borders. Anytime you would want to stop, you find yourself to say, no, <laughs> you've got to blow that thing up. Sorry. There isn't anyone who gets to be on the exempt list. There is no border. There is no limit. See, Jesus is telling these religious leaders, you know, they, they're, they're wanting to know, you know, okay, how do I do this thing? And he's saying, listen, you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he takes the one person they despise and says, like that guy. The one you don't like, the one you don't get along with. And it's not just any kind of love. We've been talking about this for the last several weeks, right? Maybe you've heard this before: a eh? self-sacrificing, laying down of your rights, preferring the other above yourself. That kind of love. The first Corinthians 13 kind of love. The, remember how we said this last week? That's although we say that at weddings, that's not really a wedding passage. It's about how we love others. Remember? What kind of love is it? It's a love that is patient that's kind, it's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not dishonoring, it doesn't anger easily, that kind of love, it goes on and on and on. That's the kind of love. And Jesus is saying this, love them that way. So the question I wanna ask you here as we close up this morning is this. Who is the them you struggle to love? Now, many of you, you're, you're good church people, and so you would say, oh, Greg, I love everyone. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I, I know Jesus has called me to love people. I love everyone. Okay, great. Well, then I'll ask you a better question, okay? Who is the them you struggle acting, loving toward? Not a feeling, not like, oh, I love them. Because we don't love everybody, that's fine. Who do I struggle acting, loving toward? that I respond with a 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. Who is that tough for me? Where is that difficult for me? Now, I'm gonna ask you to do something here this morning. If you're not already taking notes and you have a piece of paper and a pen, I would encourage you to take it out right now. If you don't have a piece of paper or a pen, I'm gonna, this is one of those few times, take your cell phone out right now. Everybody, you can take your cell phone out. Oh, well, it's okay, I'm allowing you to do that. Take your cell phone out and open a note, Okay. Here's what I'm going I'm to pray. I'm going to pray that over the next few moments, God begins to speak the people into your life that you are struggling with and that he would begin to break down some of your borders and some of your barriers and some of your limits, okay? Now, when I say, who do you struggle, who are the them you struggle acting, uh, loving toward, my guess is some of you know a name right now. When I say, who do you struggle to love, you got the name right now. It's, it's in your family, it's a neighbor, it's a coworker. it's somebody at school. If that's it and God's speaking that to your heart, write it down. Write that person down. Maybe it's somebody that comes to mind. It might be somebody sitting in this room right now, and you struggle with that. Write their name down right now, whoever it is, okay? But it might not just be a specific person. It may not be a specific person. It may be a type of person. See, thems aren't just individuals. Thems oftentimes are groups of people. And so for some of you, it might be a personality. Like, there's just a certain personality that drives you nuts, right? And when they walk in the room, you know that, and you're like, those types of people drive me crazy, right? I don't know who that is for you. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's an issue of like what they like, like me. You don't like me because I like sports so much. You don't like athletic type people. You don't like, you know, people that are musicians. You don't like creative people. You don't like whatever it is. I don't know. Maybe it's a type of person you don't like. Maybe it has an issue of education. You can't stand super educated people. They drive you nuts. Or on the flip side, you can't stand uneducated people. You have negative thoughts toward. you have a hard time truly loving them. Maybe it's uh, people, when it comes to basic things like socioeconomic standing, you struggle being loving and acting loving toward the poor. Or maybe on the flip side, you struggle acting loving toward those who you would consider to be rich. You have an attitude toward them. You struggle with that. Uh, maybe it's it's other issues. We've been talking, you know, over the last several months about issues of race. Is it someone of a different race that you struggle with? Some of white. Some of it's black. Some of it's brown. It's a struggle. It feels like a border to your heart a little bit. Some of you, maybe it's not just that. It's just the concept of someone who you would consider a foreigner. And you say, I struggle loving that person. I struggle loving that type of person. They're a them for you. In the same note, maybe it's someone who struggles to speak English. English is not the primary language and you struggle. And when you encounter those people, you feel yourself, sense yourself having thoughts that maybe aren't the most loving. They may be a them to you. Is it possible that's a group that you struggle with? Uh, maybe it's issues just people that look different than you. They smell different than you. <laughs> it's a struggle for you. And maybe it's different communities that have different you know, challenges. Maybe it's issues of addiction. You know, People with certain addictions you just get frustrated by. Maybe it's part of different sexual communities you would consider. Maybe anybody part of the LGBTQ plus community. And your natural response is not one of loving You struggle there. Now, the whole point of this is not to say, hey, you're going to do this with everybody who agrees with you. You're going to agree with everything. No, the question is, do you struggle to act loving? Are you loving this community? Maybe it's people of other religions. You find yourself getting rather defensive and getting a little uh, angry and argumentative with those of other religions. Or maybe potentially those of no religion at all. And instead of acting in a position of love, you act some way differently. Is that possibly a "them to you? Or well, let me just speak the clearest one right now, and that's just an issue of red or blue. Republican Democrat. And you find yourself getting angry you find yourself getting mad, you find yourself in different positions because of the way someone votes. And when you see that person, you sense yourself getting angry, right? You, you struggle to act loving. Even if it's somebody that you know, as soon as you find out that reality of what, what they vote for, if it isn't the way you want them to vote, suddenly your position is different. Your desire to love kind of goes out the window. I, I believe this honestly. If Jesus was telling this parable in 2020 in America... If he was telling this story to a group of Biden supporters, the the Good Samaritan would have been a Trump supporter. And the flip side would also be true, okay? If he was speaking to a bunch of Trump supporters, it would have been a Biden supporter. Why? Because it would meddle with some of us. For some of you, you are mature and you've gotten past that. But for some of us, this is a hard point. This is an area that we're struggling with. And I'm not speaking to it to belittle. I'm speaking it to, because if we are not careful, we set up borders and boundaries where they're not supposed to be. And we allow something like that, who you vote for, to cause, to impact your ability to love someone who Christ has died for. Yep. So this is the challenge. When it comes to love, there is no them. So what I want to do is, as we wrap up here is go to one last passage. Remember I talked about 1 John. There's a passage in the, in the book of 1 John that I think speaks to this that takes us back to the gospel. But we need to be reminded of. Because you might ask yourself, yeah, but them are so hard to love. <laughs> Some of you can relate to that. Your them is just like, I can't. I don't agree with them. I think they're going the wrong way. I think they're trying to destroy my life. Some of you, when it comes to your voting patterns, think they are trying to destroy my country. I get it. I understand those thoughts. So how are we supposed to love? What does it say in 1 John 4, beginning of verse seven? It says this, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. It's not our own love. We're not just trying to muster this thing up. No, love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's our starting point. It isn't trying to muster this thing up. It is getting into a position where we remember who God is, It goes on. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. It goes on and it says this. This is love. Not that we loved God because we didn't. We didn't. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were the ones far from him, running away from him. We would have been the ones standing next to him, nailing him to a cross. That's who we would be. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Here's the point. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How? How do I love them remember that you were them you were them you were the outsider if you take the analogy of this story we all were the guy who got beat up and were lying dead everybody's walking past us nobody's caring about us we all were that person But Christ, rather than operating as he could have, as a priest or a Levite who walked by and said, they got what they deserved. Because that's reality. Our sin is of our own choosing. We're the ones who walk away from Christ. We deserve what we get, but Christ didn't do that. He looked at us with compassion in his heart, and he said, I will give my life for them. And if we could just barely begin to get a glimpse of the love of God, what he has given to us, receiving that love that we didn't deserve, if we could receive that love, suddenly we can begin to love others. Not because they deserve it, but because we didn't deserve it either. When we understand his love for us, we can share it with those around us. So my challenge to you is I pray that God spoke to your hearts. And there may be some people, some thems out there that you're struggling to love right now. Maybe a specific person, maybe a group. My prayer for us all this week is that we wouldn't love them as we feel like, that we would love them as Christ has loved us and he gave his life for us, amen. I wanna pray over you if I can. Father, I thank you. I pray this all the time, but it's so true, God, that you, you never ask us to do anything that you didn't already do for us. You don't ask us to love the thems and then leave us out in the dust. No, God, we were the them and you you came after us. You sought us and you loved us. And I thank you for that, God. God, I pray for those who are here this morning who, uh, as I talk about this, that you've spoken very clearly about a person or a group of people that they are struggling to love right now. God, I pray that you would speak truth into their hearts, Father, that you would break the coldness in their heart that maybe they're experiencing right now. And instead, Father, they would be an overwhelmed by love and gratitude for what you've done, and God, be ready to give that love to those around them, Father. Help us, Lord, give us eyes to see, Father, that we wouldn't be like those uh, priests and Levites that just kind of walk past, but instead we would be those who look to meet needs, those who look to love in every way possible. Lord, Teach us that way, God with every head bow and every eye closed, or maybe one of you here with us this morning in person, or you may be with us online right now. You recognize that because of your sin, you are that man in a ditch. And right now, you have the opportunity to be saved, to be rescued, not because you're so good, not because you have the ability to clean yourself up, not because you're so strong, you can be such a good moral person for none of those reasons because none of those will get you cleaned up enough. You are broken, beaten, and bruised in the ditch. But Jesus, because of his great love, is willing to rescue you right now. If you would simply surrender your heart to him. Now I say simply, I don't say easily. Following Jesus is not easy, but it is simple. You simply give him everything you got. You give him everything you've got. You give him your life, your desires, your passions. You give it all to him. You put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ to be your savior. And you have the gift of eternal life. Zoe, life both now and for eternity. Not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness but it takes a step, it takes the beginning of a journey to say, God, I give you everything that I am. If that's you this morning, and you are ready, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart, you are ready to begin the journey, you are ready to be rescued this morning with every head bow, every eye closed. I'm gonna invite you right now just to lift your hand across the room. Say, God, I wanna take that step today. If that's you, would you lift your hand across the room? Same thing for those online, if you're at that point and you're ready to make a decision to follow Christ in your own heart right now, would you do that? Say, God, I'm yours. I'm here to give my life to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you pray along with me a prayer just like this in your own heart? Father, I thank you for loving me. God, I thank you for caring for me when I didn't care about you. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that I'm broken and I'm, I'm in the ditch. But God, I know that you are the Savior. You died, you rose again to offer new life. And so, God, I proclaim you as Lord. I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I ask that you would wash me clean. And God, I give you my life completely. I offer everything that I am to you that you would be lifted up, God. Help me to live for you every moment for your glory, we pray. Thank you for saving me when I couldn't save myself, Lord. Pray that in Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, that is the greatest decision you could ever make, but it is a journey. And so if you are wanting to continue in that journey, I would just challenge you uh, to send an email to faith at zchurch.org, faith at zchurch.org. If you're online, do the same thing. I'd love to support you in this journey of faith, all right? Would you stand with me across the room? So we take a moment just to close this morning. This is a, this is a message that's all about action. It's not about just listening. It's not about let's have feelings for loving. It's about let's go love. And so the challenge that I have for you all uh, this morning is very specific. It says, ask God to help you live out love toward them okay whoever the them is you may need to do it every morning take that little thing out that note out and say God help me to love them help me to act loving toward them today right let's take the step to do that okay I think God's going to begin to transform relationships and I believe he's going to use you as a witness like never before as we actually live out love we don't just talk about this junk we actually do something about it amen